Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Really Well Women. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the subject of becoming a mom. So it's a really, really interesting subject. And, um, you know, sometimes you can find that people have got these romantic views about having children and this whole blissful, serene time during their pregnancy and afterwards and this fulfillment and things. But the reality is, as beautiful and as wonderful as the children are, um, they cause quite a bit of um, chaos and havoc in the meantime. And the romantic view that we had from the very beginning can sometimes be thrown out the window when actually we've lost the control that we were used to before and things have suddenly changed because of this cute little bundle that's arrived. And I can speak from my experience as well, having now an almost 11-month-old. I'm a doula. I work with women's health all the time. There have been so many babies born under my care and well, not, I have not physically delivered them, but I've supported them through that process. And I thought I knew what it was going to look like and I did not. Yeah. <laughs> and so every baby is so different. So even if you are, you have one, two, six babies and you're having another one, every single experience is going to be so different. And you're almost like rebirthing yourself with every birth that you go through. <laughs> um, and so it's just, it is such an important topic to talk about, especially like how romantic it's going to be because I had a baby who would only sleep physically on a body for the first six weeks of his life. Yeah. I did not expect that. You know what I mean? But it's, it's so different because every baby is so different. And, and the thing is, Sarah, you know, over the years, I've had lots of moms heavily pregnant and, they, you know, it's lovely. They get the first time around, you see this the second time around. It doesn't happen. First time around, they're getting their pedicures and the manicures. <laughs> and then they come in and see me and they go, yeah, when the baby's about six weeks old, I'm going to go back to the gym. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to do, start doing that. And I just think to myself quietly, I smile and I think to myself, wait till that baby arrives because you know what it's you can't pigeonhole things anymore they come and as i've mentioned before without an instruction manual you've got to work out what every cry means you know and then also sleep deprivation becomes a big issue and the mm. thought of actually going to the gym and working out when you've you've been up most of the night with the baby that's got all sorts of issues that are going on yeah. then um that's yeah that's not going to happen it's wonderful if anyone's listening to this saying that that has happened to them and well done oh, but for I most people have and as much yeah as, as much as i love you all i don't <laughs> but as we said we're, we're keeping this real so we're out there helping as well the ones that are struggling and realize that it isn't all um you know, dubs and sweet Hollywood movies where, you know, everything just bounces back and we've got a you know, flat stomach within two weeks or whatever, you know, all that nonsense. But this is real. That's why we're talking for. And I think it's really important too to have the discussion all the way from the very beginning. So I always say becoming a mom starts when you pee on a stick and there's two lines. No, no matter what the outcome is of that, you became a mom in that moment. And people expect to feel connected to the baby right away. And they expect to feel all this identity change when they see that. But it's very common to not experience that. And 
you start to get nausea and fatigue and you start to get acne in some cases and anxiety and you get medicalized. So you're thrown through the system through all these ultrasounds and all these types of things. And it's common for women to not feel connected to that until for some women, it's their ultrasound. For some women, it's till they feel the baby consistently kicking and moving. For some women, it the experience has put them through so much of an identity change that they don't even reconnect to themselves, let alone the baby until after it can be weeks after the baby's born. And so long as we're not worried about postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety or, or any mood issue associated with that lack of connection, and you still want the baby around you and you still kind of love that baby, but you just don't feel connected, um, that's something that's totally normal. And there's a lot of guilt and shame around that, like a lot. There is. And the thing is, it's true what you say, because when a, um, a mother is actually born psychologically, as soon as she's peed on that stick and she's got the results, hasn't mm-hmm. she? And then when the baby is born physically, that's when things change. Because when a woman gives birth in her mind, it's not, it really is um, not just to a, hu- a new human being, which is what, you know, is presented there. But it's actually, as you say, a whole new identity. And a whole and new vagina. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is that as well. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Thanks for lowering the tone, Sarah. You <laughs> <laughs> <It> should be. <laughs> but yeah, so you've got a whole new identity, but also a sense of being a mother, you know, which is, and I, I do actually like watching that transition and that change because, you know, even if a mother thinks they're not coping very well, you can see the instinct kicking in quite quickly. So please have like faith in yourself if you're listening to this and you feel you're struggling because there will be things that are happening instinctively to you. Um, and that's what's so amazing to see when you think this person's a mother for the first time, but they're automatically doing this, this and this. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why please don't be hard on yourself because, you know, these, these things are changing. And, you know, uh, as we kind of start talking about when the baby's delivered, for instance, we've got the baby blues, haven't we? So we've got to consider the hormonal side of things. Um, do you mind me just explaining something? And you might want to elaborate on this, Sarah. I'm sure you will from this. But, you know, during that first week of the baby blues, there is that uh, dramatic withdrawal of high levels of hormones, isn't it? And that's being produced by the placenta. So we get these massive mood swings as a result. So again, as we've already talked in hormonal chaos, with the hormones, they are also something else as well as a new identity. Uh, having a baby that you really don't know what you're doing at this point, and sleep deprivation. And something we're also going to look at is changes in identity in a domestic setup as well. There's an awful lot going on. It's, it's a huge, huge stress and transition. Yeah. And I always tell women that you go from pregnancy hormones to menopausal hormones when your placenta is delivered. It's a, such a dramatic shift. And it affects mood. It also affects your immune system. So that's often why we are looking for autoimmune diseases and things postpartum. But going back to to that experience, I know for me, I didn't have, I've never self-identified as someone who has anxiety. And I got such anxiety in that window with exactly like you said, lack of sleep, changing identity. Like I am married to the best man in the entire world, but up until the birth of my son, I got a massage every day, a non-sexual massage to sleep every day. And that did not happen (laughs) after for the first few weeks. It's even the change in that side of the relationship. And I remember, and I, I am so connected and I love my son so much, but I remember crying and saying, I think I ruined our lives. 
over and over again. And so this is just the reality of it. It yeah, took it me a solid week to come out of that and to figure out breastfeeding because that is such a difficult relationship for so many people, including yeah. myself. And, and the guilt that goes with it, Sarah. Yeah, exactly. And all the guilt. And it was just this cesspool of emotions. And so it is, it's so true to just give yourself perspective. And I had a doula and I thank God because I would text them and they'd be like, you're yeah. doing so great. Your instincts are there. You're doing fantastic. This is all totally normal. It's going to be okay. And I had someone at my house every day, whether it was my doula or my midwife to walk me through it. So I'm so fortunate. But I think if you don't have that, that's where it's so important to talk because my husband had no idea what to do. My mom yeah. and my sister had instincts, but didn't know what to do. And yeah. that loneliness felt so huge because I felt like no one understood me. Yeah. And I think with that, in that midst of all that chaos and things, I'd like us just to break down how the roles within a domestic setup change, because mm -hmm. that's exactly what you're mentioning there. Because if you think about it, the mother or the father, the carer, whoever it is that's staying at home, um, they, their identi identity can often feel like it's lost. All they feel that they're doing mm -hmm. is that they're just like a milking machine. I remember one mother saying to me, I just felt like a milking machine, basically. Mm -hmm. That's all she said. Um, you do feel like nobody actually talks to you about anything else but the baby. Mm -hmm. So it's like you feel like you're suddenly invisible. All the, the, the roles or the responsibilities that you had maybe in your job beforehand, and that really built your self-worth and your confidence up yeah. because that's not there anymore. And, you know, because of the hormones and the sleep deprivation, you just start to feel quite low or very low. Um, and in some instances, you can start to feel taken for granted because what happens quite naturally is if you're at home and you're with the baby, your partner's gone off to work, you end up being, and it just, it just happens. These things just transition that you're feeding, you're changing nappies, you're making the dinner for the family, you're doing the housework, you're doing the laundry, and these things are happening. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of work when you've got a lot of other internal stress responses that are happening. We've talked about hormones and that sort of thing. And then that person will come home from work and wonder where their dinner is if, you know, if they're not that supportive. And you just start to feel put upon. You know, and as a result, the partners coming back from work, they, they're feeling in the day quite challenged. They're getting praised for their hard work. They're getting a monetary reward for it too. You know, maybe they're getting pay rises. Um, they've got stimulating conversations. They've got a whole support system and network, haven't they, at work. They feel valued. And so when they come home from work, you know, to say something like, have you got dinner ready? Or there's nothing on the table or there's nothing, you know. It, they, it, it might be a flippant comment, but when we look at it in context with the person that's at home that's feeling put upon, that's feeling run down and tired and having a lot of self-worth issues because of different factors, you, we can see how the roles start and there's that, you know, the conflict can start from what was a very happy domestic setup and that romantic view of having a, a child, how things can turn around quite quickly. Definitely. And I think from another perspective, how domestic relationships can change, which I see a lot as well, is that previously you guys were both equals in everything. Yes. Yes. So you were like, there wasn't that typical hierarchy, which I still see so frequently. So I'm not discounting that because I see that no, all the no. time, but you see this everything was split evenly. Everything was equal, equal, equal. And then all of a sudden you either have a C-section or you have a vaginal delivery and you can't walk up the stairs. Mm -hmm. And so you have this baby on your body all the time and you're feeding and doing these things. But if you don't feel like that's valued and as like, 
as a contribution, right? Then you can feel like you're not doing anything. Okay, well, I'm not doing the laundry. I'm not cooking. I'm not running the errands. I'm not able to work to bring in money, especially like in Canada, we're, we're lucky from an EI system, but I didn't have any. I'm self-employed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so that's something that's different too, is I like for the first few weeks that baby just slept and ate and pooped. And so he was on my body a lot of that time, but it was difficult for me to view that as a contribution. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I needed to be doing something, even though everyone in the household was like, sit down. And I knew I needed to, because I would, if I did anything, I would felt like my uterus was going to prolapse. Like you feel it in your pelvic floor, that heaviness. Right. Um, but I think that's just such an important thing to recognize as well is that you can feel so many different things and your worth is so challenged and your identity is so mm-hmm. challenged in that period of time and leading through that whole first couple of years as things change. Um, so yeah, it's just so and key. It is. And the thing is as well, you know, people talk about baby brain and, you know, all these sorts of things, mm-hmm. but in actual fact, your emotions uh, during that time, they're there to ensure that you're sensitive to your baby's needs. So in actual fact, your brain plasticity, which we've talked about before. So that's those synapses, the connections, you know, how, how your brain continues to change and alter and grow your actual brain plasticity comes at a cost because actually it does start to alter and change and it leaves you more vulnerable to those mood disorders. Mm-hmm. So because of that, we, we need to take time to be careful and and nurture ourselves as well as our baby um you know instinctively the baby will always want to come be first but you know there's a lot of changes that are happening and to expect everything to bounce back to what it was like before we realize that actually things have changed it's a really exciting time you know it's a completely new chapter in in a family's life but um because of that reason it's just giving them giving yourself a bit of slack really there's a lot going on after a baby's born a lot internally Exactly. And it's, it's internally, but it's also, and I think we'll talk about this more after the break. It's, we're talking a lot about that initial transition, that first couple of weeks, but then what happens when everyone goes away and that help goes away? If you don't have family around and that loneliness starts to creep in, what are we to do about that? And and how can we kind of support ourselves through it? So that's what we're going to touch a lot more on because again, it's like, oh, wouldn't that be great if I had people around to help me out and to do all these things, but then that kind of disappears. And how do you transition through that moment? Yeah. So can we discuss that after the break, Sarah? Because I think we've got a lot to contribute in that area as well. Do you feel that tight muscles are affecting your movement and posture? Do you feel that you have recurring pain or injuries? Would you like to know how to reduce pain, improve your posture, increase your mobility, and develop mindfulness? Allow me to teach you the total somatics approach to health and wellness within my online program. In the comfort of your own home and at a time that suits you, we can start creating healthy changes. To learn more, go to totalsomatics.com. So welcome back. Now, in the second half, we've got a lot more meaty and interesting subjects to discuss. But what I'd really like us to start talking about here is about loneliness. Because again, remember, we mentioned at the beginning, it could be this romantic view about having a baby. But then when that initial excitement, everyone's been to see you and been to see the baby and they get back to their routine, there's just sometimes this void or this emptiness. And you think, "Hmm, is that it? And the thing is, um, loneliness is, is a really big thing, really big thing with motherhood. Because um, if you've got friends 
and those friends around you don't have children, mm-hmm. you then start to think, actually, we're, we're on a, in a completely different sphere now. Are they still going to be my friend? Are they still going to support me? Because they haven't got children. They don't understand what I'm going through, that sort of thing. Um, and so then what we might do is reach out to, say, mother's groups. And I know mm-hmm. this from uh, working with lots of moms over many, many years, teaching them baby massage, um, looking at bonding, that sort of thing, because it's a huge, huge aspect of baby massage. And what I've often had mothers confide in me is that loneliness and that they've often then gone to mother's groups. And within mother's groups, they've actually not found it that upbuilding because it becomes very competitive and maybe what you then start finding is these personalities are not the kind of personalities that you would usually associate with but because you've all got babies you've kind of been thrusted into this mother's group mm-hmm. um, and so as a result you can you know it's in any instance you can be very lonely in a very busy environment you know you can be very lonely in a relationship those sorts of things so it's kind of finding your tribe as it were you've got to reach out look for those ones that you resonate with and that can be very hard when you think well I'm sitting here at home Mm -hmm. Um, but it's looking at different ways and we're going to discuss those proactive measures today and I think just to throw one of them in here now um A lot of people, I have success getting them to check in with their prenatal courses and see if there's anyone in their prenatal courses that they've resonated with. And really well-taught prenatal courses get the groups together and get them talking and interacting and things like that. Um, And I've had so many people who find someone that they like outside of pregnancy and then can keep that connection. Um, There's many more ways to do it, which we'll talk about, but that was off the top of my head. That's something that I think is, is really important to talk about and and that's the thing is though sarah is that um you know one of those aspects with the loneliness is the sleep factor isn't it you know um if we aren't getting enough sleep then we do feel much more sensitive much more um vulnerable and we're just less resilient than we were before you know when we had our good night's sleep lack of sleep is used as a torture mechanism i tell moms that all the time they like this is literally could be used as a torture mechanism. And so of course it's going to be hard. Of course it's not going to be romantic. Of course there's going to be conflict with partners. Like my husband and I have fantastic communication and I am very lucky that he is on paternity leave. So I have been had to deal with a lot of the loneliness piece because I have someone in the house who sees how hard it is, who constantly talks about, wow, there's so much to do. This is so hard. Um, And so from that side of the coin, we had great communication and we'd still want to bite each other's heads off. And we'd have to just look at each other and be like, take a breath, leave the room. We'll come back to this later. It's not important because you're just so tired. And here's another tip to every partner out there. Do not count the other partner's hours of sleep. Speaking about <laughs> there is no way to resolve that conflict when you have data and so just try not to and someone told me this and I was like oh I will never do that I love my husband I would be like you got six hours 45 minutes and 10 seconds of sleep I got four hours two feeds this and like (laughs) and he just like he can't compete with it because it's data um but it's just like the resentment can be so strong in that window because so try not to count hours of sleep um because it's just gonna make you feel even more alone (laughs) it is and i think that's the thing is that um amongst all of that that's happening it's still trying to preserve and care for i mean and i say this and there's and baby needs so much of our attention at this point and you can often find that your partner 
just feel quite neglected. They might feel isolated. They might feel rejected. It really depends on what's going on within their headspace as well, because it's a change for them also, a huge change. Mm-hmm. You're not giving them the attention that they had before, and that might be what they really need the most. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, it, it's at times in between all that, you know, the routine that's, that's happening, or maybe there isn't a routine at this point. But can you find those moments with your partner where there's a bit of excitement and there's a bit of joy? Because the thing is, it is all of a sudden you're thrust into this whole new world. And sometimes you just find that you're biting at each other over the smallest things. Or if your partner comes back from work, you know, they walk in the door and the first thing you do is you might moan about something you might, and you don't mean to, but you know, you, mm-hmm. you feel like I need to vent. I haven't seen anyone all day, yeah. you know, and you, you'll just start moaning or something. And so it frames the evening yeah. or whenever they get home, it frames the rest of that time that you've got together. So it's like maybe for the first five minutes, could you then mention something really sweet that happened with the baby that day or something that was really positive, something that was up building that would get a smile and a giggle. And then you might have to mention about something that happened that was a bit more of a negative concept, but could we start by framing the conversation positively? Because if you go straight in with that negative slant, it will destroy that relationship and that communication. And then assumptions build up, all sorts of things build up. And, you know, one of the biggest issues with the relationship problems is the lack of communication. And very quickly, that can change. And I think having a set routine or schedule can really help with this as well. Because men, in general, if we're talking about the male partner, um, they are problem solvers. I don't know if it's the testosterone or what it is, but they're problem solvers. And so also coming in with us just wanting to communicate with our partners and express what was going on and them wanting to just fix it causes these huge divides. So if you have similar things going on, so say for example, sleep, you've been all day, you haven't gotten naps, you're not feeling great. And one of the expectations you would like to see is that you come home and instead of just complaining about how tired you are, your partner takes the baby for 15, 30 minutes and lets you have a nap. And that's just the set schedule. Um, That can one, let the partner know what is the expectation. (laughs) Because sometimes that's the huge thing too, is just like the lack of communication is not setting expectations. They know what the expectation is. Um, They're prepared for that. So it doesn't feel thrust on them. They don't feel a victim to it. But at the same time, you're getting your needs met, which can really help to support a relationship. I can't tell you how many times I see moms and parents and anyone who are not communicating their needs in a relationship and therefore the relationship's going downhill because they're frustrated, even though they've never communicated what those needs are. Um, So it, it does become a really critical time for communication. It is. Um, And with that also, if you think about it, we're wanting to create a predictable routine, which you might go, yeah, right can't get predictable routine but we all love a routine we are creatures mm-hmm. of habit we know that babies will feel more stable if they know that there's a routine there and that's how we've got to condition them really so um, if we create that stability that will also include like making it very specific of when bedtime is when we're having our meals when you're doing maybe your baby massage ritual which part are you going to do that within the day you know those sorts of things so everybody knows baby um, mom partner they all know exactly what is happening when these things are happening because this allows that time for when baby's gone to sleep for instance active communication so there's those open questions between the partners tv gets switched off phones get put away and you spend that time face to face chatting talking about each other chatting about different things throughout the day 
and remembering to keep it fun, less intense subjects, because really it, there's a lot going on at that point. And it's very easy to get pulled into that vacuum of talking about negativity or the stress, or you know what, all the aggravations that are going on at work. Yeah, that's happening. But you know what, you shut the door, you left it at work, focus on your family, look at how you can build your emotional and physical and mental health up as well as your family members. So more, more fun, less intense subjects and conversations. And remember why the two of you fell in love, you know, bring some of that spark and that enjoyment back. And it doesn't have to be sexual. There can be other things, you know, just a bit of a hug or you know you know a little kiss different things like that but the one thing is at times when it's really fraught when things really kick off because it's not all you know it's not all wonderful all the time if ever your partner has confided deep emotional maybe traumatic things from their past and it could be years ago that they confided that whatever you do never please never throw it back at them as a form of ammunition during some really heated discussions because that will really sever a lot of the trust that the two of you have built up they confided that stuff um, because they really trusted you so please don't allow it to get as far as that you know bring joy and excitement back into your life and and maybe at a time when the two of you are feeling less tired, so it probably wouldn't be after work, maybe it's sometime at the weekend, or if you can create time, because it's really important to create time together in this instance, is to, you know, the two of you have got different roles now. You know, the two of you have got different identities. Uh, chat with each other. And can you list about 10 or 20 things that you feel that you need and get your partner to do that? And if you've got them listed down and you can talk about them, because we were just saying, Sarah, communication. If, mm. if the other partner doesn't know what they want, um, assumption is the killer of communication. And there's a lot that we can ruminate within um, that we don't ever speak about you know and and so because of that reason if we can do that it's keeping the lines of communication open and it's identifying that we're in a different part of our life and how our identities changed and how we can meet and work with each other as well as this beautiful baby that you've that you have and we're going to talk about relationships and transition to work and all this kind of stuff so much in the next upcoming episodes too, because it's a huge part of navigating life's transitions yes, is going through how to learn how to communicate again. And this happens with every child. This happens with death and this happens with different jobs and life events. So we're going to dive into this so, so much in so much detail um, in, in future episodes as well. So it's it's something that you will hear. We have our themes here. We go back to the same things because no matter what transitionary event it is, it's critical. And one thing I wanted to talk about too, going back to the routines, is that you will read this in all of the baby books. And for all the moms out there who don't want to have their kids on a sleep schedule, because I know that's not what you meant, Heidi, which is why I'm clarifying no, no. it. Um, but that's what people, people are traumatized by the <laughs> By sleep yeah. schedules, right? In some situations. Yeah. So having a routine is not always about at 7.05, you feed the baby. It's yeah. about the baby waking up, then you feed, you play, then you know what I mean? You change them, you do massage, you put them to bed. It's not about times. It's not about keeping, try to keep, not about trying to keep control on the entire situation over yeah. and over again, which can sometimes feel like what they're recommending in the baby books. Um, it's really just about creating predictability and creating some semblance of ease so that you're not always thinking about things. And the moment I realized that, that that's what people were trying to get through to me, 
was a huge moment in time um, in terms of my mental health and how I felt because I wasn't constantly watching the clock and this and that. It was just, okay, you know what? He's up. We're going to feed him. We're going to play. My kid's a little ham. So we fed him again. He went to sleep. And so it's really just finding grace in those transitions as we feel grace in life's transitions. That's it. And because of having that predictable routine, it's really what works with you and your family. And that's why, you know, when I talked earlier about those mother's groups and they can get competitive, I've seen it over the time and I've had moms come in, you know, for baby massage and it's ended up being more, they've wanted to talk and they've really opened up and they've been crying because they've had moms going, is your child not crawling yet? Or, oh, you know, well, my baby sleeps X amount of hours a night. Mm, There must be something wrong with yours. And you know what? It puts so much more fear into a mom or a dad, whoever's doing the role at this Mm -hmm. point, that's actually trying to work out what's, what's going on. And and that's the thing is it's about creating that predictable routine for you and your family. So you know, that's going to work. And as everybody knows, that's got children, you know, you can't stick with a set routine because at different times, you know, the teething kicks in, then the little nightmares start arriving, you know, around about two ish, you know, the age of two. And when you get that, you think, Oh, no, bang goes that routine. But you know what, you just work with it. It's, it's just work working all the time and adapting because you've got this most amazing little human being that has the massive growth spurts. There's so much going on every night that you can sometimes visibly see the change in their size the next morning. It's absolutely amazing. So you can't expect them to be the same one, one month to the next month because there's so many changes happening with them. Yeah. And I know that's what I always go back to is like, thinking about what it must be like to see the world from that view. Like when babies roll yeah. over, it's a complete change in their perspective of everything. <laughs> so it's, it's really giving grace to that period. And I love how you put that. So why don't we wrap up this episode with our takeaways and really kind of what we want people to to grasp on, especially as a new mom, you're like, okay, I have 30 seconds in the shower. Tell me what to do. Go. So that's good. I know, right? (laughs) So I'll tell you mine, no matter how prepared you are, there are going to be huge challenges and surprises. It's just a reality. It was my, like my reality, even though I work in this field. So really just give yourself grace and learn to surrender to the experience. And that's what I just would repeat to myself as a mantra all the time is surrender, surrender, surrender. The other thing is ask for help, beg, borrow, steal sleep from whoever will give it to you. I was, have always been a person who could do it myself, right? My, it was my sister's phrase, me do it myself, but I, I stole it from her. I've always been the person who wanted to do it myself. And so it was really, really hard, especially when I'm there just having delivered a baby. I was home three hours after the, I delivered my son. I needed to ask for a lot of things and yeah. it was really hard to do that, but you just kind of have to learn and create that community and that safe space for it. Um, and then the last thing, which is so important to me as a healthcare provider is have people in your circle of support who can help to get you support if needed, especially when it comes to mood changes. And when they see changes in you that are outside of your usual and outside of what they think is normal. And I have partners who reach out to me. I'm sure you could find healthcare practitioners who would like that. If your partner is unsure of what to do, or you're the partner who's unsure what to do, because this happens to any either partner, you can go to the doctor's appointment with them and just encourage them to have a discussion with the doctor. So really a huge one is postpartum issues, depression, anxiety, get 
blown over so many times. And so I really do think it's important that we have the mental health conversation around this as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So my three points, I'd I'd first of all, just say to everyone, recognize that it's a new and challenging and exciting time in your life, even though when it happens, you might think it's not exciting, but it is. It's a really exciting first week. You may not. And that's okay. (laughs) And the thing is, think about it, that you're actually moving outside of your comfort zone into a whole new role in your life. And, you know, comfort zones are nice places, but nothing ever gets achieved there, does it? So, you know, sometimes if we are the sort that we like to stay in our comfort zone this is a massive massive transition both for you know for parent you know for both parents really um but also bearing in mind that relationship between the parents again don't forget to create fun times to reconnect and again it doesn't have to be on a sexual level because to be honest when you're tired you've got your hormones all all over the blooming you're place. breastfeeding that's a huge question i get all the time my yeah. libido's in the tank i'm like you're breastfeeding yeah. your body doesn't want another baby <laughs> absolutely if you just want a cup of tea and someone to massage your feet to be honest don't you really you know if you can get them to do that that would be great you know and give you the remote control (laughs) it would have sunk it right hey i know simple things but hey and so the thing is though because what we can do is if we're not reconnecting like that we just get caught up in those stress cycles Mm -hmm. this routine the roles you know the the resentment builds up that sort of thing and then the third point was that we created that predictable routine so it's a structure and routine that's going to suit you and your family and your baby and it's finding the sleep patterns working with the sleep your feeding time but also having if you can make this time to just get out the house and I've said to moms you know even if it's been a day that you've been in your pajamas most of the day you haven't had a shower just scrape your hair back put some jeans on or whatever you're going to put on and go for a walk around the block Mm-hmm. just to get out into the fresh air to, you know, either feel the sun beating down on you or that cold wind in your face, whichever time of the year it is. But you know what? Cold snow getting... in your face. Thank you, Canada. <laughs> yeah. But whatever time of the year, it's just getting, it's good to get out and say hello to people as you're walking around the block, just to have that connection. It's that free time, that alone time. And if you've got a partner that's really supportive and helping in that way, if you've got that alone time and that alone time might mean you go for a massage or you can get out to like the gym or whatever it is that you like to do that's kind of your mental health escape then use that because that's really important that you have that routine for you to to care for yourself too and then also within creating that that predictable structure having that talk time as a couple because remember if you've got a partner that's feeling a bit neglected if that's an issue that you've got there if they know that there's a little bit of time that they've got in the evening depending if the baby's okay it depends on what's happening with the baby with teething and other things if it's affecting the routine slightly but they know that they've got that time with you just to chat if they feel that they need that reassurance because unfortunately Mm -hmm. it's like you feel like you're a social worker as well as a mother at this point you're Mm -hmm. dealing with all these other things that are happening but it's again Again, it's an exciting time, but it's a very challenging time. Yeah. And, and as much as it is exciting, this is really bringing up the fact that most women are struggling with, but they don't always talk about it. Maybe mm-hmm. they do, but sometimes they feel that it, they're failing or maybe they're doing something wrong. So they don't always want to speak openly. And that's why we think this is a really good podcast just to bring it out into the open. 
Exactly. And in the next episode, we're going to talk so much more about relationships. We're going to talk about how to proactively have that conversation with someone who's not necessarily used to the communication, right? If your partner's not used to that, how to ease them into it, questions that you can ask, um, routines that we have in our relationships to help keep them strong. And then we're also going to talk about libido because I think that's such a huge topic that we haven't delved too much into, um, but we get asked a lot of questions. So we're going to talk about that then. And then also in the perimenopause section. Brilliant. Fantastic. So I can't wait to get started on that. So we'll leave everybody to their own devices yet again. And um, we all look forward to seeing you soon. Take care, everybody. Take care. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also spread the word so we can increase the feeling of really well women all around the world. So until next time, take care.